God, we ask this morning that you would fix our eyes back on your word, Lord, that in a world of distractions and confusion, God, that you would be our rock. Lord, we know that this, this word that you've given us is living and active, that you speak to us through it, that you change hearts by your gospel. And so we just pray, Lord, this morning that it would begin with us. God, that as we open it and we think about it and we chew on it and we ask ourselves what it means to live it, that Holy Spirit, you would lead us and guide us now. God, we thank you that we, we have a, a God who not only sent his one and only son, but gave us this word that we might have words to live our lives by. So God, right now with our eyes open, our ears open and our hearts open, we pray, Lord, speak to us. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Please be seated. I'll tell you what, if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 9. Uh, we're in the middle of this sermon series on, on uh, all of John's gospel. We've been here since November, if you're joining with us for the first time this morning, and really enjoying all the things that God has revealed to us as a church through this, this book. And this morning, I want to talk about good news, which I know sounds really redundant because the preacher's in the pulpit and it's Sunday morning, right? Uh, but have you noticed how inundated we are with bad news lately? Anybody notice that? In fact, do me a favor for a minute. We're going to do something a little bit different. Pull out your phones for just a second. Pull out your phones. Do something a little bit different for me. Go to wherever it is that you get your news. Whatever, whatever website or app that you go to get your news. I want you to just tally up. We'll do a little qualitative study for a minute. Tally up in your head how many of the first 10 headlines you look at are bad news. Take a look. I'll give you a minute. I got all day. I'll tell you about those headlines. If, if what you see is what I saw this morning in my app, three out of four stories were clickbait for bad news. Three out of four stories were bad news. What do we do as gospel people who are supposed to be living lives into the good news when our lives are inundated with bad news? That's what I want us to look at this morning. We're going to read the story of Jesus healing a blind man. And um, here's what I want us to do with it. I want us to investigate how God took this man's entire life of bad news and made him the town crier for all things good. That's what I want us to do for the next couple of minutes. We're going to read chapter 9 in its entirety. It's such a good story. It's going to be worth the entire chapter. Um, so buckle up, as I've said. Anybody else notice the longer I'm in this series, the longer the verses get? Has anybody else noticed that? <laughs> I promise, this is a good one. Chapter 9. Chapter 9, we're going to read all of it together. So let's look at this up on your screens or in your Bibles or on your phones. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the saliva and mud and said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. 
So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I'm the man. So they said to him, then how are your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and he had received his sight until they called his parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we don't know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age, he'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, then I've told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be his disciples? And he reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. And as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. The blind man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and they said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of God endures forever. And such a good word for this morning. Um, I wanna tell you about a friend that I had back in college. We're gonna call him Tim in order to protect his identity. Um, Tim was on fire for Jesus. He loved the Lord. He was fervent. In fact, um, everything Tim did was like 110%. So it came to Jesus that much more. You know, you can't love Christ too much, but if you could, Tim was the man. Tim knew his Bible backwards and forwards. And if Tim saw an opportunity to share Christ, he was all in. 
Didn't matter how awkward the situation or, or how bold he needed to be in the moment. Nothing was going to stop Tim from sharing the good news. One year, Tim was headed home from spring break and he got on a plane and he sat down and he figured, I've got a captive audience. Let's give him Christ. So as the plane taxied, he struck up a conversation with a man next to him. Tim said to him, he said, you know, planes make me nervous. How about you? The guy said, no, I, I fly quite a bit. Um, I'm actually pretty comfortable on planes. It doesn't bother me too much. And Tim saw his opening. He said, if you knew that this plane was destined to go down in a fiery blaze right now, then would you be nervous? The man was like, what? I don't, I'm not following. Tim said, how certain are you that you would go to heaven if we never touched down in this plane again? At that point, the, uh, the seatmate got up to go to the bathroom and that's when he reported his concern to the flight attendant, who then asked the pilot to return to the gate, who then opened the doors for the air marshals, who then handcuffed my friend Tim. <laughs> the silver lining is it's not every day you get to share the gospel with the feds. <laughs> but Tim came back with this story to our small group, and ever since that day, I've wondered, like, how do you share the good news appropriately in a world that's full of bad news? Hadn't been long since 9-11. You know, for most of our days, sharing the gospel has become a suggestion, right? In fact, get this, half of Christian millennials now believe telling others about Christ is wrong. Barna Research found 50% of those surveyed said sharing your personal faith with someone of a different religion with intent to bring them over to yours is an immoral act. And maybe that's because even with the best of intentions, we've always, all of us have probably seen someone royally screwed up. I mean, I'm not sure a hundred people having to change vacation plans and their plane itineraries was the best for the kingdom that day. But still, why has this command from Jesus went ignored? In our lesson this morning, Jesus is walking alongside this road and he notices this man sitting there blind from birth. His life has been covered in bad news, right? And the disciples assume that this man is born blind because of his sin. After a short discussion, Jesus tells the disciples, no, that's, that's not it. This man's going to bring God glory. Christ says, maybe rather than being caught up in the cause, just for a minute, let's look at the effect. He was born blind that the works of God might be displayed through him. Then Jesus takes this mud pie of dirt and spit and he wipes the man's eyes and he tells him, go to this pool of Siloam and wash up. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking gross, right? You know, at the time, some scholars say that Spit was thought to have healing properties. And so you got to wonder if Jesus wasn't just capitalizing on this moment to show just how powerful he was. And by that miracle, this man whose life was covered in bad news is now sent to tell the world the good news of Christ. The narrator cuts with this editorial note. And it's, it's worth pausing the sermon because we paused the scripture for a minute. Look at this in verse seven. He says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam this word means sent. In other words, Jesus wants us, you and I to know, God's word wants us to understand that Siloam is a sending place. Healing is a place to go. And yet I think one of the most difficult assignments Jesus gave us when it comes to sharing our faith is telling another the story of Jesus. It shouldn't be difficult, right? But for some reason, for some reason, telling others the good news is probably one of the most ignored commands in all of scripture. 
Look at this in Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm now sending you. Matthew 28, 19, we've heard this one. Go and make disciples. You know, telling others about Jesus is risky, though. We, we ask ourselves questions like, well, what, what if they push back? What if they ask me things and I don't have the right answer? What if they reject our friendship and I, things never look the same? What if I lose my job or that promotion? What if I'm no longer part of the good old boys club? Or, or what, if, what if I look like I'm being too pushy or self-righteous? And we bring these concerns valid as they are. And we, we often decide, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. We're in America. Everyone knows who Jesus is. We'll show them we're Christians by our love. We don't need words. In fact, St. Francis of Assisi, who is one of the most well-known church fathers, he has this famous quote that's been shared worldwide many times over. You might have heard it. He said, preach the gospel at all times and only when necessary, use words. I love St. Francis, but I have to ask the question, since when is it not necessary to use words? The gospel is good news, right? News was meant to be shared, to be talked about, to be told. There's a captain of a Mississippi riverboat who every time he passed through this certain vessel on the, passed by this certain vessel on the river, he'd slow down and ask all of his guests on board to wave to the captain of the passing ship. One regular on board, he noticed this tradition time and time again, and he asked the captain, he said, what's, what's up with that? What's this tradition about? The captain said, well, years ago, we collided with some debris on the river and it was my worst nightmare. He said, in that moment, I felt like me and our entire crew were going down into the waters. That captain on that boat, he slowed down his vessel and with the help of his crew, he saved every one of us one by one. The captain said, ever since that day, I want everyone on board my ship to know who my rescuer is. Do you notice how our scripture began this morning? It began with bad news, right? This story begins with a man who has so much prejudice and judgment against him, he doesn't stand a chance in society. Not only is he blind, but he's, he's begging. And not only is he begging, but some people believe he deserved it. The disciples wanted to know whose sin caused this man blindness. Was it his sin or his parents' sin? Wrestle with that question with me for a minute. How can you be born blind as a result of your sin? You know, we're all born with the, 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 the Adam's sinful nature, right? To be born blind be, because of your sin, um, that's another thing. To have birth and have sinful nature, that's one thing. But to have committed a sin while you are in the womb, that's an impossibility. Jesus says, no, that's ridiculous. That's not the story. And the next obvious conclusion of this man's disability was, well, then maybe it was his parents who sinned. And God is now judging them for their parents' sin. Now, right here, we have to be careful. Things get tricky, right? Because we can find examples of this in the scriptures. In fact, you can find examples of this in your own life. My sin brings consequences to the generations that come after me. If I'm an alcoholic, the weight of that sin carries on for generations. If I have anger issues, you better believe there's a trickle effect. But it's a hard stretch to assume a man's blindness from birth was God's punishment on his father. In fact, if you're wondering, Galatians 3.13 tells us how this kind of works out. It says that the, the curse that was meant for you was put on the one who hung on the tree. 
Oh, Jesus says, no, it wasn't his sin and it wasn't his parents' sin. Look at this up on the screens in verse three. He says, it was not this man who sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be shown through him. Could it be that sometimes God allows bad things to happen to us, not because of our past, but because of what he's gonna do for it in the future? Could it be that God could take even the worst news and still transform it to good? So this blind man, born blind from birth, he, he begins telling others the good news of Christ, right? The moment he washed in those Siloam sending waters, he begins telling the story to everyone who will hear it. He starts with his neighbors in John 9, 11. He says, this man called Jesus made mud. He anointed my eyes, said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. The neighbors can't believe it. They're like, this can't be the same guy. So they bring him to the, the authorities of the land, to the Pharisees. They'll figure it out. And these experts of the law, they're immediately concerned. They say, well, if your story is true, then someone healed you on the Sabbath and someone's broken the rules. That would make this man who healed you a sinner. That's not right. You know, if it were me, I might've walked away at this point because the stakes are getting high, but the blind man doubled down. John 9, 15, he said, I tell you again, Jesus put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. The Pharisees aren't buying the story any more than the neighbors, so they now bring in the man's parents and his parents are terrified, right? They know the consequences here. If they look as though they're following Christ, they're about to be ostracized, so they take themselves out of the equation. Ask our son, he's man enough. I love this moment in the story. It's almost like an intermission where the fire alarm gets pulled, right? John steps in a second time now with commentary. Look at this in verse 22. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Fear is a killer of good news. You know, like, like of all the reasons we fail to share our faith, I would say the biggest obstacle that stands in our way some way or another is fear. And yet now for a third time, this man born blind is asked to share his story again. Look at this in verse 25. He says, I've already told you, listen to me, whether, whether he was a sinner, I don't know. Here's what I know. And he emphatically says, I was blind, but now I see. Everyone has a story, right? You know, when it comes to Jesus, if you've had an encounter with the risen Lord, the first thing we have to realize is that we are part of God's grand story of all of creation. Right, And as with any good book, the good news that you now have in your hands must be shared. You are now a part of the greatest story ever told. It's a story of redemption and restoration and hope and eternity. And we call it news because someone needs to hear it. So when was the last time you told someone the news? You know, the Bible says we should be prepared in season and out of season. And we could debate all day long about who God is and whether or not he's real whether or not he's good. We can engage in debate with people about whether absolute truth exists or if heaven exists or if hell exists. I can discuss that Jesus is the only true God among many, many religions in the world. But what happens if you're a fairly new believer and you haven't quite brushed up on the, the apologetics yet? Maybe we just share our story. Did you notice that's all this blind man did? He just kept repeating the story over and over again. A story is disarming. It takes all the defense mechanisms and turns them off. A story is one of the most powerful tools on this planet. I should know firsthand. You know, I know when I start to lose your eyeballs, I just need to engage you in a story. You know, I can tell you God is good. 
or I can tell you a story of how God's goodness has changed my life. Which one is more persuasive? And all the way through this lesson, no matter what came at this man, he just kept at it. Isn't that the guy who just used to sit and beg? Yep, it's me. I went and washed and received my sight. Well, what did he do to you? I mean, how did he open your eyes? Well, there was my life before I met Jesus and there was my life after I met Jesus. How can a man who's a sinner do such things to you? I, I I don't understand that. I don't know. Here's what I know. I was blind, but now I see. A Christian man had been trying to get the gospel to sink into his Muslim friend's life for years. And in every conversation, he just couldn't find that moment to share his faith. Timing was never quite right. Finally, one day, his Muslim friend was preparing for noonday prayer, and he watched him go through this ritual of purification. He washed his hands, and then his arms, and then his feet. He washed his face and his, his, his head. And just about the time he was done, the Christian man finally saw the open door. He said, hey, don't forget to wash your heart. The Muslim man laughed. He said, don't be ridiculous. You can't wash your heart. He said, I know. There's only one who can do that. Let me tell you how he washed mine. See, the common denominator in all of humanity is that every one of us has a story, right? Every one of us right now, we have a past. Every one of us has a failure. Every one of us bears wounds. Every one of us has a stain we're not going to get rid of on our own. And John's gospel tells us this story about a man named Jesus Christ, who when he sees a man named a blind man suffering alongside the road, he doesn't just walk by and ignore his past. He doesn't bring judgment upon him. He doesn't let the bad news of the day win. No. He kneels down and loves this man enough to wash the blindness away. How can we not tell that story? How can we not share our story? Look at this in verse 30. The blind man, he's now healed and he hasn't even begun to worship Jesus yet. He hasn't even come to that saving faith place. And yet he's already defending the gospel. He says, don't you see what an amazing thing? You don't even know where he comes from. And yet he opened my eyes. He went on in verse 32. He said, never since the world began has you ever heard of a healing of a man who was blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Jesusfilm.org asked over 1,600 Christians why they don't share their faith. You know what the number one answer was? We already touched on it. It's fear. We fear that we're ill-equipped or we fear rejection. We, we fear reputation. We fear causing offense. And yet here we open up God's word and we find this really simple example of how simple it can be. All this blind man does time and time again is share the news of Christ. I mean, I don't want to sound reductionist, right? There's a a place in time for apologetics and defending our faith, but what if we just started with a, a story? I know this sounds crazy, but this is who I was, and now this is who I am. And I know that brings questions. All I can tell you right now is that I was blind, but now my eyes are opened and I see. God takes a man's disaster, right? And he begins transforming not only his sight, but his heart. I want you to watch through this scripture. In fact, it's not up on the screen. Just listen to this. I want you to hear how each time this man shares his story, God increases his faith. Verse 11, he says, well, I know his name was Jesus. Verse 17, he said, and I'm pretty sure he was a prophet. Verse 33, he had to be a man of God. Verse 35, he said, and I'm pretty sure he was the son of man. 
The Pharisees have finally heard enough and his parents' fear, their greatest fear comes to fruition and they boot him out of the temple. This miracle worker named Jesus now comes to him a second time with now a life-changing question. He said, do you believe in the son of man that you speak of? And do you believe this story you've been telling everyone? He said to Jesus, who is this man? Christ said, you're looking at him. And the healed man's reply says it all, just three words. Lord, I believe. And then he falls falls to his face, right? And worships the Lord. So here's my question this week. If a man in the infancy of his faith can share the good news, how much more can we? You know, the last few days, um, I snuck out of Bozeman down to Houston for a memorial service. You might've seen Jen in tears this morning. The, the man who raised me in the faith for seven years and then another four years up here since I've been here as my mentor recently died of pancreatic cancer. 66 years old. I was tasked with doing the eulogy. I wasn't sure how I was gonna get through it. But as I walked into the pulpit, with hundreds and hundreds of people out in this, this dark, this dark uh, congregation, it hit me. I was humbled to think about how many different ways he shared the gospel with his life. And I guess my thought is this. Life is short, right? It's far shorter than we think it is. And yet we are so inundated with bad news when we're called to be people of good news. Really think about this. When was the last time you told someone about who Jesus Christ is in your life and what he did for you? It's the greatest commandment in all of scripture. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey the things that I've taught you. And here's the most important part. Remember this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. If you have met Christ, You have a story to tell. Go and tell one person this week. Will you do that for me? Let's pray. God, I want to ask just in a moment, Lord, that you would just bring one person to mind, God. We know you speak to us through your word, but I just ask, Lord, that you would put one person in our head. One person that is lost or wandering, one person who are not sure if they know you, if they've turned to you, if they've given their life to you. And Lord, I just want to say, if that that person is is any individual in this room, God, I just want to ask that they would give their life to you now. But Lord, for those of us that have been following you for some time, God, we, we ask, would you give us courage to speak to that individual? God, what if this week 250 people heard the gospel because each one of us told one person? Lord, we pray, would you give us strength and courage and wisdom and prayer to do it in a way that would be honoring to you? God, it's probably not meant for a a plane ride up in the skies. But Lord, we know by your Holy Spirit, you give us those moments and you nudge us to share the gospel. So God, we just want to be that town crier this morning. Help us, help us to spread that news to a world that is so lost in bad news. God, that we would bring the gospel, the light that shines in the darkness, Lord, knowing that the darkness will never overcome it. 
God, make us a people of good news. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.